Don't get murdered this weekend. See two for the price of one. An ungodly human monster with paralyzing needles stalks his victims. Welcome to the Cinematic Void Podcast. Cinematic Void is a cult film series that hosts screenings in the Los Angeles area as well as virtually. I'm your host, Jim Branscombe, and joining me as always is... Hey, it's Nick Vance, Paranormal Futures on social media. You can find Cinematic Void on the World Wide Web at cinematicvoid.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all major podcast platforms. If you want to support The Void, consider joining our Patreon. Uh, Jim, we fucked up. We fucked up bad, so much so that we should be deleting the last episode we did, which was early. Yeah, I didn't think it was all that bad. I thought it was just a kind of funny little... Well, I, yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess we're, we're not going to actually delete it, but uh, we after we recorded that episode and it was out there, I I think I texted or I, or I talked to you at work and I was like, shit, we forgot something that should have been mentioned on our list. And then maybe a couple of days ago, you're like, dude, we forgot another thing. So we're going to... These are things that should have been on our 2023 favorites. First one is that new E-Town Concrete song. Hell yeah. Level up. Level up. You know, that that was the anthem of 2023. You know, we were both leveling up, so to speak. And the other song was by Denzel Curry, which was Blood on My Nikes. Which is still an absolute fucking banger. Seriously. Like, I can't believe we both forgot that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we had to get other things in there but we are rectifying we are correcting 2023 and 2024 and that's just going to be how we're rolling here but anyway how you been man it's been a couple weeks since we've done this i'm pretty good it's pretty good i'm pretty good i've had better i've been much worse okay just just go with that (laughs) (laughs) we're not gonna (laughs) we're not gonna elaborate on it we'll just leave it just like i'm just even keel here guys i just you know you know, got a cat on your lap. Got it's some, fine. Got some coffee. You know, that's, I, I'd say I'm the same. I'm doing good. pretty good. Did you do anything for New Year's? Nah, I stayed at fucking Christmas. Home. I think we, I don't think we podcast since before Christmas, maybe. Yeah. Was it before I can't remember. I don't fucking know. Yeah, dude. whatever. It, so this is the first recorded podcast of the New Year. So happy New Year to all of you who are listening and celebrate such things. Or you might be supposed one. to say happy New Year after the 7th. I don't fucking care. There's still fucking people that have their Christmas trees and Christmas lights up. I don't want to hear that shit. When I was in Salem and it's like, it was January 5th and 6th, they still had their Christmas tree up. It was all lit and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you courtesy should be like J- January 2nd, all that stuff comes down, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So we can still say Happy New Year. Plus, like someone might come and listen to this episode next year. So it might be Happy New Year. Granted, it's a different New Year, but... Damn, dude. You know, the sediment might be the same. Yeah. Anyway, so as I was hitting that, just we're in the a mist in the amongst, or I don't know how you say it. We're just, it's just January Giallo's going on. 
Uh, I just came back last weekend from a trip to the Boston area where I went to the Cinema Salem and did a screening of opera with Salem Horror Fest and Kay Lynch. And then I was over at the Coolidge with Mark Anastasio, Midnight Mark, and we did a screening of Deep Red to Argento's to kick off January Giallo in the Boston area. And it was a lot of fun. It was cold as shit, but it was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Um, Mark took me over to the Bedfield State Asylum where they shot Shutter Island. Sick. So that place is cool. And uh, actually filmed a vlog of it that probably won't be out until February because I want to get all the January Giallo stuff out of the way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he was talking about because they actually host screenings there. They do off-sites there. They've shown Shutter Island there. And they've shown, like, I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Night of Living Dead and things like that. Like, they have their own, like portable like 35 millimeter system they like take out and like do screenings oh wow very sick so crazy so they were also talking about all the like because the uh, medfield was a former asylum it is haunted as shit out there fuck yeah and he was telling me ghost stories and stuff so that when that vlog drops it's gonna be pretty cool um also while cool. i was at the, also while i was at the coolidge um mark was showing me the two of their new screening rooms because they've been renovating they should show me theater five where we we're hoping to do January Jail this year. It's like a all red room. Oh, sick! Like it is nice. The screen wasn't up yet, so mm-hmm. hopefully by the next time I'm there, it will be up. And also Theater Six, which was the blue room. So I don't know. It, Coolidge expansion was nice. Always great to see Kay and hang out. Uh, only thing that was a little iffy for me was driving in snow. And oh I, yeah. Well. You know, when I was before I left, there was like, this is going to be a big snowstorm, first one of the year kind of mm-hmm. shit. And I called Mark and I was like, hey, just so you know, I'm going to still come out no matter what, even if I get snowed in. He's like, ah, eh, no one knows what it's really going to be. It could be good. It could be fine. It could be messy. Um, it snowed a lot. And like, I was like hanging around town and like, but the, it started kind of sticking to the roads. And like, I wasn't really confident in myself since I haven't done any hardcore snow driving in like mm-hmm. a decade plus. So I kind of went to the airport early and. My flight, my flight was delayed, not a lot, but wasn't because of the snow. It was because we didn't have a flight crew. So then the flight crew just like shows up like a half hour late for whatever reason, but then took off and it was fine. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, shout out to Mark and Kay. It was really fun to be out there. It's been a pretty good January Giallo so far. I went down to San Diego last night and hung out with Eddie, who used to be the marketing manager of a Cinematic Void, he now runs Popcorn Reef, which is a screening series down in San Diego. He was showing opera and strip to kill. So it's kind of, I hadn't seen him in a while, so it was kind of cool to hang out and shoot the shit and all that. The only, my only complaint was the normally two hour drive that took three and a half hours to get down there. Oh, fuck, man. I missed, I, I missed the intro for opera, so I ended up talking in between films. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was fine. It, it was That's worth cool. the trip. So Yeah, nice, man. And cool. I, I, I'll just mention this really quick. Uh, this will probably be out after it happens, but I just want to say, hey, Sergio Martino at the American Cinematheque Egyptian Theater sold the fuck out. Stoked for that. Um, we'll probably do a January Giallo recap and talk about a bunch of things. So traditionally during January, we usually watch a Giallo film or several Giallo films and do a podcast on it. And I wasn't sure we were going to have time because you're busy as fuck projecting and I was going to be hitting the road, but we found a little pocket of time. And we actually had not only enough time to watch a movie, but to podcast about it. So for this year, we're just doing a single movie, but it's one of my personal favorites, and it's one you've been wanting to revisit anyway. Mm-hmm. I know you're a Giallo hater, but we'll, eh. you, you're kind of turning on it? Not necessarily. <laughs> well, I guess we'll find <laughs> out. But So for this January Giallo edition of the Cinematic Void Podcast, we're going to be talking about Black Belly of the Tarantula, which is one of my favorites. And yeah, 
We'll get into why the movies call that. Obviously, there's, you know, because the Dario Argento Animal Trilogy movies were getting named after animals left and right. But this one at least works this into the plot a little bit more. But we're going to take a quick break here. But when we come back, we'll be talking about the black belly of the tarantula here on the Cinematic Void Podcast. <laughs> I'll blow this house to smithereens. Try to get up there in time, Spider-Man. What become my web, Goblin? Watch yourself fall, Silk Slinger. Can't stop the bombs in time. If I don't get you webhead, my day of nasties will. Holy Hannah. And you're running out of fluid. Is this more action than even Spider-Man can handle? Spider-Man, a video game from Parker Brothers, the ones to beat. Yes, Raid. New bug killer discovery from Johnson's Wax. Raid contacts and kills all kinds of bugs indoors. Raid hunts them down like radar. Sweeps bugs from the air. Attacks them as they crawl. And kills them dead. A little goes a long way. Kills bugs even where they hide. Yes, Raid kills flies. Mosquitoes, roaches, ants, all kinds of bugs indoors. Outdoors, Raid protects your garden, too. A little kills insects that attack flowering plants, evergreens, vegetables. Caution, ordinary household sprays kill plants. Raid saves plants. So don't buy several bug killers. Get Raid, first bug killer for house and garden. Raid house and garden bug killer. Stephanie and John. Herb and Sally. Danny and Thomas. Frank and Catherine. Brigitte and David. Toshihiro and Philip. Myra and George. Jay and B. Strong relationships. Welcome back. We are talking about January Giallo here on the Cinematic Void Podcast. And, you know, today we took some time. We watched a movie. We talked about it. And now we're going to talk about it to you. And the movie we're talking about today is from 1971. It's directed by Apollo Cavera. It is the Black Belly of the Tarantula. Did you just break the fourth wall? <laughs> I guess I did. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it, it's a valid point. How do you break the fourth wall by talking? It's not like I'm looking directly at... <laughs> The third wall. I you, mean, you just spoke directly to the listeners. Is I mean, that what you do? Are, are we having a conversation, or are we talking to other people? I don't know. I, just, I we've never really thought about that. Like we've never really man considered I, this. The, to, the existential crisis I'm having right now. <laughs> never mind the fact I'm holding a coffee mug that has you and Nikolai and Hugh Hefner on it. Like, where'd you get this cu- cup? Someone from, made this from Nikolai. Nik- Nikolai. <laughs> <laughs> but Mike Koenka did the uh, graphic design. If you call if you call it that. No offense, Mike. <laughs> I don't think you. Uh, I don't think you worked on this. You just did this for. He, he just photoshopped <laughs> you in, like the, the, you know. You, I, you guys should get an Etsy store and start mass producing these. Uh, sell them. Well, Nikolai gave me a bunch of gifts, like in, and they were all like wrapped with wrapping paper covered in that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, maybe you'll post this photo so people know what we're talking about. Because <laughs> now I mean, we're not. I've, I've posted the mug, um, but you know, I could bust out the the paper. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, when Spine Numbers finally comes out, I think, fuck, you don't need a logo. Just put this photo. Dude, you're so right. 
You just that that's the image of every podcast, like, you know, thumbnail is just this photo. It's mm-hmm. so amazing. Um, shout out to Mike, shout out to Nikolai. Um, we haven't given a shout out to Nikolai in a while. Man. But, you know, he's the homie. He's he is your number one listener, I think. He might be the only listener. He might be. He's the only one ever gives us feedback. So I'm saying, are you talking directly to Nikolai or what? Yeah, I am. So Nikolai, how's your day been? All right, never mind. Let's kill this bit. Anyway, we're talking about 1971's Black Belly of the Tarantulas, directed by Paulo Caveira, who was part of a trio of directors who came to fame for directing a movie called Mondo Cane. Uh, the other filmmakers was Galtiero Giacopetti and Franco Prosperi. I feel like the Duolingo training I've been doing to learn Italian before Sergio Martino comes has been paying off, or probably not. Right on. I can almost order a fucking like, coffee at a restaurant, but... You know, getting there. Um, I should mention in Franco Prosperity, when they c- completely dissolved, he went on to direct one of the most insane movies ever called Wild Beast, which is like the zoo where the PCP gets in the water and all the animals go absolutely fucking insane. Why didn't you tell me about this earlier? Oh, I screened this movie. I screened this year one of Cinematic Void. It was the first Camp Void screening. Fuck yeah. Um, but yeah, well, maybe we'll do an episode on that because it's fucking bonkers. Hell yeah. But... um. Yeah, those guys made Mondo Kane. Paolo left before they made their most infamous movie, which would be Goodbye, Uncle Tom, a movie we've talked about before. And it's actually, I think, getting ready to have a 4K release. No shit. Blue Underground's, I, they've been hinting at they're getting ready to drop it. So. Yeah, I just paid the money for the DVD. I, I told you it was going to come out in 4K. Yeah, probably. You uh, impatient fuck. Anyway. Yeah. So back to Black Belly. <laughs> God, we're just all over the place. Uh, Black Belly Tarantula, uh, besides him or Apollo Cavera directing that, he also made another Giallo film called Plot of Fear, which I don't think has a good U.S. release. It's a little, maybe a little on the Euro crimey side. It has a really great soundtrack. Um, the movie stars Giancarlo Giniani, who's best known for being in several Lena Wertmuller movies, including Love and Anarchy and Swept Away. He was also the dubbing voice of Jack Nicholson in Italy, so anytime there was a like The Shining or anything like that, he was the Italian voice of Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. And apparently Stanley Kubrick was said, you did a great job, like was really impressed with how he dubbed him. Oh, wow. So, and this begins a little bit of are the James Bond connection to this movie. There's four people that were involved in the franchise. Um, Giancarlo was actually in the later James Bond movies, the Daniel Craig ones. I think it was in Casino Royale and one of the other ones. But So I have to ask, um, uh, is this the only uh, Giallo film that they know of that is that has that element? Is there some connection oh, between like a lot of the, the Bond actors? actors? No, I mean, it, it happens It happens commonly because, mm-hmm. like, you know, James Bond would pull a lot of European actors to be in those movies. Okay. But, you know, just the amount of people, like, I, you know, obviously he's, like, getting into the 2000s when he joined the franchise. But most everyone else that was in it was in the 60s or 70s. Yeah, yeah. So we'll kind of get in those. Uh, the movie also stars French act- actor Claudine Aguero, who also who appeared in Thunderball. That's the James Bond movie she was in, as well as Mario Bava's Bay of Blood. You know, make sure we get that giallo cred in there. Barbara Bach, who was in The Spy Who Loved Me. You know, that's her James Bond connection. But she was also in many, or she was in one really great giallo, one we did an episode on a, maybe a couple years back, A Short Night of Glass Dolls. And she was also in Sergio Martino's The Great Alligator, which is a great mix of action-adventure and Jaws ripoff with a giant fucking alligator, which I've heard through the grapevine will probably be hitting Blu-ray sooner or later. Uh, 
Then there's Barbara Boucher, one of my favorite Giallo actors. I mean, she's not just in Giallo, but she's in a ton of them. She was in the Bond spoof Casino Royale, which still, it makes her a Bond girl. But, you know, Giallo film, she was, she's in a muck, which I'm screening this year. The Red Queen Kills Seven Times, Don't Torture Ducklings, Smile Before Death, French Sex Murder. She's in all kinds of great shit. Uh, Rosella Falk, who was in Fellini's Eight and a Half, is in this movie. She was also in the Fifth Chord and the Seven Bloodstained Orchids, as well as a very late era Argento, his Giallo comeback in the late 90s, early 2000s, which was Sleepless. Annabelle in a Contrera. She appeared in things like The Case of the Bloody Iris, So Sweet, So Dead, and The Crimes of the Black Cat. And Stefanani Sandrilli, she was, you know, doesn't, this is the only giallo she appeared in, but she was in a couple of big Bernardo Bertolucci movies, including The Conformist in 1900. The movie features a score by Andy McConey, which we're going to talk a lot about because as we were watching, we were getting caught up on that one instrument they were using. What was the instrument? Uh... I, well, I was thinking it might be a water phone. I, I think after we played like a, or you played an example of it, like I think that's what it is, and then we were both like, "Well, we should buy one," and they're like three hundred bucks. Yeah. Like maybe we should wait on buying one, but yeah, I'm definitely gonna snag one. I, I, I need one, dude. It, it's fucking sick. And like yeah. the way it's used in this movie is so good. But we'll talk more about that later. Uh, the movie, you know, Morricone did the score, but it was conducted by Bruno Nicolai, who, of course, if you know your giallo films no he did a ton of you know those soundtracks mostly for um sergio martino but you know he also did Lindsay's eyeball and the red queen kills seven times as well so lots of great stuff and for those of you who haven't seen it which you know this movie is currently available on shutter but i'm sure you can find it on tubi and things like that um it's also came out on blu-ray or not blu-ray dvd by blue underground i don't think this has a blu-ray release yet and i'm kind of surprised because this is one of the top tier Gialli. So I'm surprised that no one else has put out a, you know, an up, like a remastered, upgraded version. Of I'm, I'm sure it's going to happen at some point, but for those you haven't seen it, a series of victims are paralyzed while having their bellies ripped open, much in the same way tarantulas are killed by the black wasp. The victims all seem to have a connection with the spa. Now, that's the most interesting thing because, like, when we were talking, I know you've seen this movie before, but it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you were focusing more on the black, the tarantula being like the more killer creature, right? Well, I mean, I I, think, I feel like without really knowing the background there, yeah, you you automatically just I think the tarantula is the thing that I'm focused. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, there's a scene in this movie where there's a guy who like is explaining to the cop, played by Giancarlo, where it's like, you know. I guess the only natural enemy to this tarantula. Also, I didn't know tarantulas were like deadly to humans. Because I swear I've been to petting zoos where like, you know, pet tarantulas and stuff like that. And you said you had a tarantula yeah, as a pet I, as a kid. I one in when I lived in Aberdeen, yeah. I mean there there might be different, you know, tarant- But I, I think that it, I think that actually just tarantulas are another one of those like eighties tropes. Yeah. You know, it's like quicksand. Yeah. Tarantulas are some scary and it's not not actually a deadly spider. It's just a weird like you know, yeah, I mean, it's propaganda, anti-tarantula propaganda in the 80s for whatever fucking reason. Or, se- I mean, this started, this yeah. was in the 70s, but like, you know, if you get to like Fulci's Beyond where it has mm-hmm. that tarantula attack, so. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. You know, Italians definitely had a. But I just, I feel like as a kid, that was always the, and then it was like so badass when a tarantula is a pet. It's like, no, you're, no, it's not. No, it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it, the tarantula. It's not that kind of snake. No, the tarantula <laughs> is the, the Krampus <laughs> of pets. It's just yeah. a big, smelly. Well, it's not even big. It's just a small, hairy animal that's a spider. 
Mm-hmm. And it's not like you can train it, or I don't, you, you know, it's not like you can get it to do tricks. It's just a fucking tarantula. They're just they're fine for petting zoos. Yeah, but anyway, we're we're spending too much time on tarantulas. A couple things we'll talk about before we get into the actual movie. This was released in the United States by MGM and actually had a pretty good like ad campaign behind it. Um, it was sometimes double feature with another Giallo film called The Weekend Murders, which is kind of on the weaker side. It's one of those like Agatha Christie like more whodunit kind of things, like the killer's kind of among us, Gialli. Um, this movie has a great dummy drop. Like, you know, the dummy hits the fucking open, like an open window and cracks his head on it. You know, it, it's the little nuances to the dummy drops that kind of like elevates them. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie's very classy in a way, but it's also very sleazy. And it kind of like toes that line pretty good, would you say? Yeah. Um, it's also more on the police procedural side. You definitely get a lot of like True. post like crime scene stuff and like dusting for prints and like there's a scene which I'm pretty sure is kind of reminiscent of um blow up where they keep enlarging the photo mm-hmm. to find evidence. Although like unlike in blow up where like you know I guess we're spoiling blow up for people, but whatever. It's fucking fifty sixty years old at this point where you just keep blowing up and then like you find nothing. In this one, they actually found a clue. Mm-hmm. Well, then also worth mentioning is the the way that the the cop is portrayed in this one versus a lot of other films. Yeah, I mean, that's that was the one thing is like it, his character Giancarlo's like you know police and in, inspector characters like a lot of Italian cop movies the cops are fucking macho out the ass mm-hmm. like they're tough guys they might be hard drinking they might be flawed but like they're not vulnerable and he's very vulnerable in this movie yeah like very early on he's like fuck this i don't want to do this job anymore like this this shit sucks it's like i just want to help people i don't want to like find people that are like got a needle stuck in their neck and their guts ripped open mm-hmm. and it's like it it gives a different twist because it gives you empathy for like this guy that just wants to do good and just like just feels like he's like it's not like he's over his head but like he definitely feels like I. there's just so much fucking going on. He doesn't know where to go with it. Yeah. And I think it's a really interesting, really well done choice because, you know, I think if it was a macho cop thing, I don't think the movie plays the same. I think it totally. doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't have the same impact. Um, yeah, that, I think it's a really great nuance. He has like him and his girlfriend have a really great relationship where she's like selling their old furniture and getting new and all that kind of stuff. And like he's very human. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it, it's kind of nice that you're you're with a human and not like he's not drunk. He's not like you know, it, it's kind of it kind of against Giallo type. Like he's not flashy. He's not fancy. Like when you go to their apartment, it's like the most like, I mean, it's still ballers fuck mm-hmm. comparatively to like how people live now. But like, it's pretty modest compared to like all the other places that you see in that movie. Yeah. But he's like, you know, he goes to the crime scenes and finds these murders and he's like, fuck, I, I don't know if I fucking want to do this shit. This this is insane. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. You know, and like he, he and it's like a whole question the whole time. But he's like, he's still investigating people. He goes when you investigate the guy doing the acupuncture, like it's like he's not they didn't portray him as dumb. He's really intelligent. Yeah. Like there, there's a there is one bumbling cop. He's like, hey, I found a button, and the button was off his fucking suit jacket. So there's there was one bumbling cop, but it wasn't played for laughs. There is a character's movie. There's a waiter at the spa that's like mm-hmm. very late entry in the movie to be the comedic character. Like, totally, it's not even a tension breaker. It's just like 
it's like smart ass quips and like trying to be swarmy and funny and all that. It's just it it's kind of fun, but it's just like why why is there so much focus on this guy? It's the guy's clearly not the killer. Yeah. A couple things. Um one thing you know, it's a giallo. The killer wears gloves, but they're not black leather gloves oh. or black gloves. They're those like surgical kind of gloves. Yeah, they actually got a but ye- like but they have this kind of like yellow it's like you know those uh it's my iPhone case. You know, it's set on the package. It, it was not going to turn. It turned yellow. Yeah. It's like that kind of yellow. It's like yeah. this weird translucent kind of orangish gross. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's cool. It's a cool, uh, and his hands look kind of swollen. It's all fucked up. I don't know. It's it's a cool, like, different spin on it. Yeah. And, like, I mean, the, you know, a lot of giallos are known for creative kills. And, like, I'd say the kills are creative, but, like, they all kind of go the same way. And it's just, like, figuring out variations of it. It's just, like... You know, first off, the poison needle thing that para- that paralyzes, like, the victims. It's like, that's just a fucking cool take. Totally. And then just, like, the ritualistic, like, open, you know, slice them open and gutting mm-hmm. them and that kind of stuff. Which that slow, like, shoving the pin in. Yeah. It's, All like, the, that, fucking brutal, man. It, it's like that the needle stuff is more brutal than any, like, the actual stabbing or cutting or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, there's something about that needle thing and just... It you know, it happens a bunch of times in the movie and actually happens like the last time it happens, it's just like it's just kind of you know, it's it's just rough. Mm-hmm. And it's like you don't think about it because when you think of Giallo's it's people getting cut with straight razors or like axes or knife or whatever, and like, you know, there's definitely people getting knifed in this movie, but like that needle thing is what I think kind of sets it apart. Mm-hmm. You know, the killer doesn't wear black gloves, but there's definitely other characters in the movie. Like, I think there's one of the blackmailers is wearing black gloves, and, like, one of the victims is wearing black gloves. So mm-hmm. you, you still get black gloves. Get a couple of J&B bottles in there. But I, I like the way this plays out, you know. I mean, if you're not into police procedurals, this your mileage will vary. But it's just, like, you know, it... It has a nice flow to it, like each murder, because like it basically the movie opens with Barbara Boucher getting like a nude massage, mm-hmm. which is clearly they want to make sure the audience doesn't leave in the first like five minutes or whatever. But and you know, is that really kind of? Oh, it, is it, it, that's a choice. That that's the exploitation. Keep people in the seats. Yeah. Well, it's an exploitation marketing choice because like mm-hmm. you're you're getting that at the beginning. You're like, where's this going to go? Yeah. And like you know, I'm trying to think. I guess Barbara Boucher was pretty well known then. So like, you know, she be, the fact that she's the first victim where like, you know, mm. there's, a, you know, Red Queen kills seven times. She's the star. Yeah. And she gets a pretty high billing in this. And then she's like gone within like five minutes. Drew mm-hmm. Barrymore and Scream. Yeah. Before even that, it's like, you know, it's probably a little bit of like Janet Lee and Psycho. Yeah. Which is. For sure. But like, yeah, because like, you know, the way it kind of sets it up, like there's a lot of Giallo films where like, you know it starts with a female character and like you follow their journey of like them getting chased or like other female victims getting killed. But like, she's the first victim mm-hmm. and you know, as they go through the victims, cause like, you know, it, they kind of tie in the spa thing a little bit later, but like that, that's kind of an interesting thing. Like one of the things I loved, cause I think all the murder set pieces are good. I think it's got a really good dubby drop. It's like that weird, like scientist thing explaining the fucking, like the black belly, the, uh, the black wasp tarantula dilemma. I, I for sure thought he was going to be the killer. Uh, he looked like the killer. They yeah, made it feel like the a, killer. Yeah, that's definitely red herring. Well, just he just he just just creepy enough. Yeah, like they they had some good red herrings. I don't know if the waiter was supposed to be a red herring because clearly he wasn't. It's like, yeah. although if had it been that guy as the killer, 
It'd be, it would have been funny, yeah. It'd be fun. It would have ruined the movie. It's a fucking like, Scooby-Doo ending. It's like, oh, you called me. <laughs> I, just, I just get off on, like, paralyzing people and cutting them open while they're still alive and they can feel it. I mean, that, that, that. Yeah. I don't know if you can go back in time and change the movie, but I actually don't do it because that would be fucking terrible. But, a- you know. AI. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they give you a lot of red herrings. Like, there's Barbara Boucher's husband who, like, for someone who's not guilty, sure as fuck acts guilty. Mm-hmm. He's like, wait, and Giancarlo's car pulls the gun on him. He's like, I didn't kill her. It's like, well, why don't you just come to the station and talk to us? No, I didn't kill her. I just want you to know. You know, if, if I did kill her, you know, I could have just called you and told you, like, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's the blackmailer who I guess like hangs out with women and then has the photos taken. It's kind of reminiscent of like if you look, think of Brian De Palma's Blowout. Mm-hmm. I gotta make sure I say these right as we're going. Like he's kind of the, the guy's like a better looking, suaver like Dennis Franz character. Yeah. In this, the blackmailer guy. And there's also another weird blackmail movie. Apparently, the guy was like blackmailing um Giancarlo's inspector character and his girlfriend because he like did a home video of them mm-hmm. or not even home video home like a super eight film which was a kind of a good scene because like there's like get this film developed there's evidence on it and then they have to watch it with all the police and it's like Giancarlo and his like girlfriend fucking mm-hmm. so like all of his like you know cohorts and work you know the, the police force gets to see that mm-hmm. although I do think it's very imp- inappropriate that they let it run for so long I also think it's just weird that he sat there for like five minutes before deciding like I had enough yeah, and like you know, he go, goes is like, all right, this is it. I'm gonna quit, and it's like, man, you should quit with cause, and then just sue them because that's you shouldn't be doing that. It's I mean, different times, man. Yeah, I mean, he he was actually having a, yeah, he was having a rough time. Like, you know, the, <laughs> there's that. There's just like dealing with the murders. Then there's that fucking truck that backs into him and almost like Final Destinations him. That was sick, dude. That I mean, that's a great little stunt. Like, they, there's a you know. It's a good mix because there's a little bit of action. The foot chase on the fucking top of the roof where, like, Barbara Boucher's husband's chasing after the blackmailer. Mm-hmm. That shit's great because one thing I love about movies is when, like, when characters are chasing after each other, you can tell they're actually running. Oh, yeah. They were running their ass off in this movie. And they were, it, it was good. And, like, on a fucking roof on, like, a fucking, like. Oh, yeah. It's like if you slipped, that was it. But, like, you know, there's good action, like, and it kind of ends with, like, the the killer stealing, like, the blackmailer's car and then running him down with the car. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a sick move. It's kind of a nice okey-doke. Yeah. It, I mean, the thing about the movie, like, you know, like a lot of 70s GLA, there are slow parts, but I think, like, the slow parts are meditative in, like, a good way mm-hmm. because they're all with Giancarlo's character where he's just, like, this existential crisis of, like, not wanting to be a cop anymore. Yeah. And then you get, like, you know, foot chase, you get a murder, you know, you get a lot of things. But, like, he's well-defined, but, like, I think a lot of the other characters are pretty much just, like, they're kind of punched in, set up, and then murdered. Yeah. Like, it happens over and over again. Like, you know, Barbara Bach's character, who I guess is, like, the assistant and the lover of um, Claudia Nagger's character who runs the spa. She's mm-hmm. like, I had enough of this, I'm going to leave. And then she goes and, like, thanks for letting me stay. And it's like, oh, you're staying with the killer, so you're fucked. Yeah. But, like, I think my favorite murder scene is the one that's in the 
kind of like the clothing store or fashion place. Oh yeah. Like when the girl it's um Annabelle and Contreras character where she's like trying to get out of there and the killer's like chasing around in that room of mannequins. It's yeah, the mannequins is what makes it so sick. Just fucking A. It's a crazy ass scene. Yeah, because like she like takes her hand to block the knife coming at her and like grabs it and like cuts in their hand. Yeah, it's it's nasty. And then, like, she falls in the mannequin and gets, like, the needle in her neck. And when she goes down, it's just, like, the blood smeared down the mannequin. It's, just, it's so well done. Like, I, I think that's my favorite, like, Giallo murder set piece in this movie. It's just really, really one, well done. And, like, you know, she's in a lot of fucking movies, but, like, that's all her whole scene. Mm-hmm. Now, the most interesting thing is, and, like, you know, as much as I like this movie and consider it one of my favorite Giallo, I can admit there's some flaws in it. And we're going to talk about the killer. Although I think the killer reveal is cool, but it's like, was it, did, was it earned enough? I mean, I, I don't think so. No. And, and I agree with that. I, I think I, as much, there's so much other good things in the movie. I let that part pass, but like, yeah, the killer is basically the masseuse and he's supposed to be a blind masseuse. Mm-hmm. And he's wearing like some sick sunglasses though. Yeah. Like he looks fucking like true. He looks he looks like he's gonna join a fucking ska band or something. But those, like, but those uh you know the contacts or whatever they use to make him look blind or he looks real sick. Yeah, like when you pull him, it's like a Fulci mo- movie moment. Like mm-hmm. if you think of the Beyond when you see everyone with the white eyes, like that's how white up. Yeah. Because like when Giancarlo is like interrogating all the Spock you know employees to try to figure out which one's the killer, of course he does that waiter guy first, and like the guy's like. Hey, how you doing? He's like, okay, you're you can go. You're yeah. clearly not the killer. <laughs> Which again had it been that been a sick twist, but mm-hmm. but then when he gets to the the masseuse who's but he, blind, the, but he yeah, but he lets the blind guy go as well. Yeah, because right? he's like, can you take off your glasses? Takes them off. Got those contacts, and he's like, well, obviously not you. Yep. Which is like when he goes. So so at that point, you know, he still could. It still could have been any of those two guys. Yeah. Well. <laughs> It was, I think he was just at a loss. Like, who the fuck is it? Is it actually the owner of the spa? Yeah. But then, like, because when he goes back, when she calls, he's like, I figured out who the murderer is. And then, which is where he goes and finds that one white contact laying next to her body. Oh, right. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. And then, like, you have that little bit of ca- cross-cutting between, like, um, his girlfriend back at their apartment and, like, the cat, like, scratching on the door. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I want to talk about that cat. That cat's an awesome character. Good cat. It's a good cat. Like... Him and Giancarlo had a good good bit of chemistry. I know Giancarlo had to pretend he didn't like him. But like, nah, man. You know, the when they were sleeping in the bed together and all cozied up, like, you know, that you can't fake that. Mm-hmm. That cat ain't gonna lay around like unless like trusted. So it's like that's a good cat and human performance. Mm-hmm. We should always point those out in movies. But like using the cat to kind of open the window so the killer can get in. And that's when he has a reveal and like he knocks out the inspector's girlfriend, but then because she's unconscious, he can't poison her because he says the line that kind of like, you know, spells it out why he has to do it. It's like, you know, it's like, I need you to be, I, you know, I, I forget how he words it, but it's basically like, I can't get off unless I know you're awake and we're all doing this. So what you get towards the end is that nice little like kind of tension building, like cross cut between Giancarlo trying to like rush back to save his girlfriend from the killer. And, like, the killer, like, trying to wake her up so he can, you know, stab her with the needle and all that. Mm-hmm. And, like, he actually does stab her with the needle, which is, like, holy fuck, is this going to happen? And then, like, when Giancarlo busts in, he's got the fucking gun. He's like, nah, dude, we're going to do this. 
mano mano. They mm-hmm. get in a fucking knockdown, dragged out fight, which is pretty. It's pretty fun. And like, I kind of like, even though Giancarlo would not have any point of reference for the actual murders, or maybe it's as the killer's getting fucking banged against the wall, he's having memories of all the people he killed. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure which it is, but I'm fine with it either way. But you get the get a highlight reel of everything they have in the movie is like Giancarlo's just beating the shit out of this guy at the end. Yeah, and I think. At one point, we're like, you said, like, did you just kill him by, like, throwing him in the wall? Because mm-hmm. he was definitely knocked out. Like, when we get to the end, you know, they caught the killer. He confessed. Giancarlo's girlfriend's going to recover from being, getting the poison needle in the neck. But there's just something about it because the way his character has been the whole movie, he's just, like, dejected and just, like, like a broken man. And he just kind of, like, because he can't see her because she's still resting, he just kind of leaves the hospital his cop buddies offer him a ride. He says no, and just starts walking the streets, just like kind of lost. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a up. It's it's like a downbeat, upbeat ending. Like good conquered all in the end, except for all the people that died. But like, yeah, maybe he's just walking away. He's just like I, I'm walking away from this life, this crime, these these black belly of tarantula killings and all that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a nice ending, definitely. You know, it might not be, like, the most, like, climactic thing. I mean, like, him beating the shit and slamming that guy on the wall is pretty climatic. But, like, you know, it's 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 fitting for the character. So, um, one thing I do want to talk about, like, this movie's really nicely shot. I like how, like, a lot of it starts, like, you see people behind, like, windows and all that, shooting through glass and stuff. And sometimes it's obscured glass. Mm-hmm. But I do want to talk about that Morricone score because I think it's one of his best. Yeah. Especially, what was that instrument again? I think it's a, I'm guessing it's a water phone. Yeah, because like we were listening because it's just like the way it just kind of bends the notes and all that. It's like it's just fucked up, but like in a good way. It like makes everything just more like uneasy. So I don't know. That's one of my favorites. What was your, what was your thoughts on watching it or having this rewatch? Probably. I think it's pretty good. Pretty good? Yeah. Yeah, it's just pretty good. It's pretty good. You, you know, I mean, I love, I love a lot of like the, you know, all the furniture, all the set pieces are really cool and crazy as, as they are a lot of times in this yeah. era of like a jo- Italian cinema, you know, like it's just, they, they definitely spared no expense to just make all, or maybe just all of their fucking furniture in Italy in the seventies was entirely crazy, but they everything is just so fucking stylish and like the colors are crazy. I, I, um, you know, as you were saying, there's, you know, there's probably just a DVD out of this, uh, of this or something like that. You know what I mean? So it, it's definitely due for a, a cleanup, yeah, you know, because I'm sure this thing really fucking pops when you with with some like color correction. I I agree with that. I I mean, the we watched this off a of shutter because I have the old Blue Underground DVD, but you know, it's just easier to watch on streaming, and like you can kind of tell with the source it hasn't been remastered. But like you know, the movie's still really good. But you know, and I've probably said this before. I've said it in my top Giallo film list, but like I this is a bucket list one. So I'm just putting it out there, manifesting to finally find a print and get the rights cleared up so I can screen this bad boy at some point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's our thoughts on Black Belly of the Tarantula. Have you guys seen it? If so, tell us what you think about it. What's your opinion? Where do you rank it? You know, all that kind of good stuff. But we're going to take one last break here. But when we come back, it's going to be read, watch, and listen here on the Cinematic Void Podcast. Night. A time... For quiet, a time for evil. Behind the door, through the window, a time for terror. 
A terror that leaves a tiny clue. A pattern of blood. Repeated again and again and again. How do you forget? How do you hide from a horror that pierces your most secret moments? How do you escape a death that comes in the night like some monstrous ancient ritual? MGM presents The Black Belly of the Tarantula. A gothic tale of terror and death. Welcome back. It's now time for... On the Cinematic Void Podcast, where we talk about all the things we've been reading, watching, and or listening to since the last time we did a podcast. It's been a while since we've done one of these. So, Nick, why don't you tell us what you've been reading, watching, and or listening to? All right. Uh, I haven't been. I've been busy as fuck, so you know what it is. I don't know, but I, I got uh, recently as a uh, someone gave me... Uh, Gave me this book as a gift called Gift Nalen. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to fucking pronounce it. Gift Nalen. Gift. I don't know. It's like fucking. I don't even. I'm looking at this fucking thing. I don't even know if it's fucking Swedish or what the fuck it is. I'm not sure where it even came from. It's sick. It kind of reminds me of um, of like Answer Me or one of those kind of zines in the '90s. It's just like kind of pushing boundaries and just, you know, the type of shit I'm into. The uh, like the, like, a, a kind of like metal label that's selling it has some copy that says like, you know, apocalyptic culture, anarchic and anarchic rants, archaic sorcery, damned poets, esoteric tactics, forbidden knowledge, necromantic collages, oneric musings, outlaw occultism, sinister arts, visual expand, you know, just like, yeah, fucking cool. <laughs> Great. It's like fucking 500 pages. It's fucking, it's badass. Wow. Um, so not exactly the kind of thing you just like quote unquote read, you know, but, uh, a, a cool, a, a very cool thing to have around for sure. Um, so I've been messing around with that a bunch. Uh, watch wise, uh, I saw Anatomy of a Fall yesterday. It's cool. It's fucking two hours and forty five minutes long, but it actually goes by really quick. Um, I dug it enough. Uh, I just saw May December again, except that I saw it at the Egyptian. Uh, so that was mad cool. Uh, I just watched showing up which i've seen before but i think is one of my favorite films of um of last year by kelly reichardt um it's a cool it's not like a laugh out loud kind of comedy but i would definitely consider it a comedy it definitely has some moments where it's just like oh it's just so fucking tense and just yeah it's a it's a sick one i uh, just saw bo is afraid um i really i know you you are not but i'm i'm an Ari Aster fan and i did not love this one um, but I'm kind of itching to go back to it, save for the fact it's fucking three hours long. Um, and we just watched uh, the Black Mirror Christmas episode. Uh, did we actually watch that on Christmas Day? We, we watched right, Christmas Eve, something like that, maybe? Was it Christmas Eve or day? I it can't remember. Right before Christmas, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it was Christmas Eve we watched it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I definitely try to... Uh, that's definitely one of my kind of Christmas traditions is try to watch that. And I knew you hadn't seen it. So we watched it together. Yeah. We, we, we had a nice Christmas. Day. There you go. And then, uh, for listen, I've been listening to that new Nas magic three, super sick. Uh, fucking, I mean, going back to juice world, uh, the last week, and, I don't know, he's got some tracks. They're not, they're not all great. Some of them are super fucking corny, but I don't know. It's just fucking, yeah, 
I've been listening to Hurry from Philadelphia, their new record, Don't Look Back. It's very like, I don't know, what if Teenage Fan Club like grew up on punk? But it's like, it's not a punk record, don't get me wrong. It's just, you know, uh, I'm not sure if Teenage Fan Club have ever heard punk. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, so cool record. Uh, Wayside, What Does Your Soul Look Like? It's still on that one. Uh, one of the better records from last year. And uh, Killing Joke, Fire Dances. Nice. Getting a little, getting a little fucking spooky. Yeah. Well, I do like some Killing Joke. Um, let's see. For me, read. I actually got a couple things been reading, but they're all giallo-centric. One of them is um, Kat Elger's book on Sergio Martino called All the Colors of Sergio Martino. Using it for Q&A prep. Just getting a little more insight. Uh, the other book I've been reading is called Italian Giallo and Film and Television by Roberto Curti. Um, this book is dense. Like, you know, a lot of people consider Giallo star with like Mario Bob and the evil eye, AKA the girl knew too much, but like kind of goes in the history of like how Giallo existed pretty much at the beginning of Italian cinema with like different detective and murder mystery movies and all that. So it's nice evolution. Like I'm at the point, like I'm just getting out of fucking world war two, like chronologically. So I haven't even gotten to like, you know, the prime years or like where it really got popping with like Bob and all that. Um, watch we mentioned the black mirror christmas special actually i lost track of things been watching because like a lot has been um sergio martino prep i'm obviously watching the giallo films but um shout out to will morris because he gave me or loaned me some copies or you know just sent me some copies of um the documentaries he made or one of the documentaries man called america casa nuda casa violenta which is like america nude and i guess also violent i guess something like that and some of his comedies which i've you know been a giant like you know hole in things of martino that i haven't seen um and some of the sergio martino's like sex comedies including giovanata's long giovanata long thigh if i could actually get this fucking <laughs> name, that, name that yeah it's the name of the movie it stars edwich fennick because like you know after he did the giallo films he did a bunch of comedies where oh like, i thought it was a person's name sorry well it's it's her character in the movies okay name, so <laughs> uh listen it's you know been a lot of bruno nicolai goblin marconi because it's the season um when i was driving around boston i was listening to incendiary Change the way you think about pain, which was one of my favorite records last year. I know they're a New York man, but like something about that cold East Coast weather made me just want to throw that on. Same with that pain of truth, not through blood. Mm-hmm. And I, I know it got re-released last year, which is why it wasn't on my top five releases because it's older release. But record I still like, kind of threw back on because I hadn't listened in a while, but it still fucking just bangs. Is um Domogenesis and Alchemist, No Idols, really sick fucking. Hell yeah, I, I, need to, I need to check that one out a little more. Like, I, I, for whatever reason, I just, you know, I was, like, searching for something and it like just came across, like, shit, I need to get back into that. So, I, yeah, that's what I've been reading, watching, and listening to. So, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Cinematic Void podcast. Um, yeah. Um, when we come back from the next episode, we'll be doing the big January GL recap and talking about, you know, films and shit and life and whatever else is happening. So anyway, until next time, see you in the void. The black belly of the tarantula, a weekend murder, a whodunit, and a what did it.